I'm Lisa Blair, scholar, writer, and international women's consultant. And I'm David Bedrick, teacher, author, and founder of the Santa Fe Institute for Shame-Based Studies. Join us as we break down relationships, drawing from depth psychology, our work with clients, and 18 years together in romantic partnership, diving into the agony, and the ecstasy, of emotional intimacy, conflict, and connection. Let's jump in! This is In Too Deep. my gosh, we're back for season two. I am so excited right now. Season two. <laughs> I thought, is it ever going to happen? Because <laughs> yeah. life happens, oh, right? Yeah. yeah. And you take a break from something because you need it. And then life begins to happen and the river goes. And oh my will gosh. it ever come back? What's the line of the poem? Knowing how way leads on to way. Robert, Robert Frost, Frost, right. Will we ever be back at this spot again yes, but we are we we're are back at this back. spot but and anew yes we've been mm. wanting to be back we thought we'd be back in the summer that didn't happen <clears throat> everything happened anyway yes here <laughs> yeah. we are we were just listening to our intro music again and it's like oh yeah that groove i love that groove it's, it's a great it's, intro <laughs> it's just so fun i'm so happy to be here with you <laughs> And with all of our listeners, we have a lot, a lot of new listeners from last season. So yeah. A lot of new people found us out recently, which is exciting. Yeah. So welcome, everybody. Welcome. Yeah. So before we get, well, let's introduce our topic. Can you introduce it super quickly and then we'll do bittersweet? Super quickly? How do you do that? I know. We're going to be, we did an episode, or I think two episodes about ghosts and ancestors. Yes. And by ghosts, we mean Things that haunt your relationship, meaning forces and influences and parental internalized dynamics that get in the way. And we're thinking about that again because we've bumped into them ourselves and we want to talk about these things called ghosts. Again, that means something that impacts your relationship, but you don't see it right away, but it affects you. Yes. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. But as always, we spend just a few minutes on something bitter something sweet where we share either something that's kind of not so yummy happening in each of our lives or something that is sweet and yummy and delicious and great. <laughs> you can see my emphasis tends to be on the latter. <laughs> it's interesting you got the food, yummy, delicious. Are you hungry? <laughs> Did you have breakfast yet? I haven't had breakfast Okay, okay, yet. that explains so I'm it. a little loopy too, but anyway. Do you want to go first? Sure, I'll go first. Okay. So I'm going to share something sweet, which is, so many of you know, I'm in a PhD program right now at the California Institute of Integral Studies in the Transformative Studies doctoral program. And I am in general focusing on emotional intimacy in long-term romantic partnership, Um but last spring, I created an independent study course to specifically focus on that topic through a relatively new theory called post-normal times theory. And the result of that independent study, which I loved, was an article that I submitted to a journal called World Futures, co-edited by my professor, Alfonso Montori, and I am thrilled to say that that article was recently published in World Futures, and that's a peer-reviewed journal, and that's my first peer-reviewed article. I hope one of many future articles, mm. and I am just 
so proud, so honored. I love the work. I am just so excited that this happened. Mm. It's very mm. satisfying for me. So good. So, you? I noticed I'm quiet and bowed down like wonderful work and bowing to your brilliance and effort and creativity and intelligence. And for me, I've had some really good things, but that's not where I'm at in this particular moment. My teaching life has expanded multiple folds in the last few months. But lately, I've been tired. So, so tired. I don't sleep a lot. So that's been going on for, I don't know, 15 years and accelerating in its lack of sleep. But I have like a, I'm going to call it a soul tiredness. That doesn't mean I've been doing too much. It means that my soul wants to be reclined. And that usually means to dream, to be wandering around. Some people might call that meditating, only it's not such a discipline. Although it requires some dreaming, watching the river, integrating things that have moved me in the last months. I just came back from a 12-day pilgrimage, I'm calling it, to Jerusalem. And I'm left with wanting to absorb something that just takes open space and time and kind of napping, you know, like so you're not so thinking too hard, but you're, that's what I call dreaming. Your unconscious mind gets a chance to do its work. Beautiful. That was an amazing journey and sort of continues to be for you. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so David, get us going on this topic that we're going to be exploring today. Okay, so a couple comes to see us and one says, I'm tired of sacrificing all the things I want to do for you. Mm-hmm. And the other says, I'm tired of working so hard and pulling all the weight and doing all the efforts to take care of all the details of our home. Yes. And they begin to conflict. Right? right? That makes sense. Yep. Now, we work with those people individually. And inside the pers- first person who sacrifices, we learn that they have been sacrificing all their lives. They've been told, I should put myself away. Relationship is about sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And inside of themselves, they have that belief. And the other person says, take care of things for other people. Be generous. That's the way to be in relationship. Pull your weight double. Make the other person's life easy. So inside of them, they have belief systems that oppress, imprison them, say, this is how you have to be. And they don't fight with that. They don't know that exists. They don't think, oh, I've been doing this my whole life. My mother, my father did it their whole life. They don't think that. They don't think, I'm so tired of not being free inside myself to not sacrifice. They think, you are the one who's making me sacrifice Mm -hmm. and getting the benefits, and I'm tired of you. The other Mm -hmm. person says, I'm tired of working for you and picking up after you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And some of that may be true, but both of them have an inner battle. And when that inner battle is not addressed or seen or made conscious, boom, two people look at each other and it's all between us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. They look at their partner or their friend or whomever they're in relationship with and they think, you're the culprit. Mm-hmm. You're the one who's been boxing me in. You're the one who's mm-hmm. been stopping me. You're the one who's mm-hmm. forcing me to neglect my own needs and just think of yours mm-hmm. and put myself away. And Yeah, it has huge implications because if I can't see the 
separate, if I can't separate myself, if I can't see you separate from that inner imprisonment, if you're the imprisoner, then I'm going to resent you. I'm going to distance myself from you or leave you. Because I think, ah, I don't want to be with somebody like this This is a prison. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Many people feel in prison in relationships. Mm -hmm. Maybe everybody does a little bit here and there, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like I've just been working with some mothers and all of them feel a little bit in prison by being a mother. Sure. I'm not saying that they shouldn't be a mother. It's a bad thing, but it's like, oh my gosh, the role I have to be in is so strong. Right. Right. That I can't be free at all. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, partly what we're talking about are roles, right? Partly we're saying that we get unconsciously identified with being in a role in a relationship and and probably most people don't realize that they're even in a role mm-hmm. right where the the role might be and I don't just mean an official role like being a mother or a father or something mm-hmm. like that but in the but in a role of caretaker mm-hmm. in a role of primary breadwinner to the exclusion of other needs mm-hmm. for example also gender roles come into play here where as we've talked about so many times patriarchy itself then puts in heterosexual relationships often men are in a role of the breadwinner that's not always the case i'm a provider and you're a nurturer right something like yeah something like that it's Mm -hmm. kind of traditional but but it can happen it it in it doesn't have to just be in straight relationships, it can be in queer relationships too, of course, people get into the same kinds of roles, but that we get into a place where we identify as this is my purpose here. Mm-hmm. My purpose is to just care for you. Mm-hmm. My purpose is to be there emotionally and put myself away. Or on the, on the other side, my purpose is to provide for our family to the exclusion of my other needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So what we mean by a ghost is that that inner imprisoner, that internalized imprisoner is not being seen. It's having its impact. I'm going to make you do this. But it's not seen. It's in a little sheet running down on Halloween. Down the, I, see, I see this little person, little kid running down a, with a sheet over them or something. Yeah. And got KKK images. I know, I know. I'm I got to be careful like, oh, of that. I just came that. from Jerusalem. That would not be, wouldn't <laughs> work so well there. Um, but I'm, I'm remembering, I don't know, some years ago now, I was making some food for myself. I was making a batch of kitchery an Ayurvedic, gentle-on-the-stomach food. Mm-hmm. Because I have, my digestive system is my sensitive spot. Yeah. My barometer, it kind of yeah. goes, the little tiny thing, it does its thing. Right. Meaning all kinds of weird stuff happen and discomforts going on. So I made, I was, I'm going to make some kitchery so that for my stomach. And then I said, Lisa, would you want some kitchery? And you were like, no, nah, not really, or something like that. Uh-huh. Or not very much, or I'll have a tiny little taste, or something right. like that. And I was like, you sure? Yeah, sure. And then I make the kitchery and I say, you should try some of this. Right? <laughs> so you. Right? And you're like, uh, you know, I don't want to take your kitchery or I don't know, something like that. I'm making up some of the details. So I don't remember it. Yeah. But it was something like that. And you were like, hmm, that's really good. I said, have some more. Right. <laughs> now, at the beginning, I negotiated. One part of me negotiated. He was outside of prison. I'm going to have the food that I want. If you're going to want some, you're going to have to tell me about it consciously and directly so that I can take care of my own needs. Yes. 
Bravo, right? <laughs> I'm not codependent for at least 10 minutes, <laughs> codependent right? Codependent no more. Codependent no more. 10 minute break from codependence, whatever people would call that. So I'm now freer to have boundaries and take care of my own needs and stuff like that. But as soon as I'm tasting this stuff, and pretty soon you have a bowl of kitchery in front of you, which was part of what I wanted to have for myself. Yes. I know I'm laughing. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, you know, part of me is like, hey, what are you doing eating my kitchen? You were supposed to say, you know. I think you're referring to the key lime pie incident, actually. <laughs> the famous. I'm, I'm mixing them together. Key lime pie. No, no, no. Mm. No, I'm saying, I know I know what happened with the kitchen also. Oh, yeah, I'm just right, saying, right. oh, yes, the, the original. The original. Just okay, we'll have to tell. our listeners into the original story. You have to tell the key lime pie. <laughs> the key lime incident. pie incident. <laughs> so then in letting myself be free and playful, I said, Hey, you're eating my kitchery, you know, yes. and you were like, you said I could have some. That's and I'm right. like, you believed me, you know, <laughs> you know, like you should know that I would give myself away and not want to and resent you forever. Yeah, you know? I should know all that subcontext <laughs> before that. I dare take a bite of this kitchery. I'm but... offering it to you. It doesn't mean you should take it. Yeah. You're supposed to say, oh, thank you. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. we oh, go back right, and forth right. and eventually I have it all. You get right? the credit for offering it <laughs> I get the credit for <laughs> One part of me gets to be the generous person, but yeah. I don't actually have to take the risk, the cost of being the generous exactly, person. Exactly, yes. <laughs> For those who are interested, the key lime pie incident happened in Key West, Florida, uh, appropriately, and and we stopped at a little shack on the road that sold only key lime pie, I believe. And I'm I'm not really a big pie person. Have you ever had key lime pie before that, even? I think so. Okay, I think so. But I'm just not a big sweets person and pie person and stuff. True. And so, true. and you love key lime pie, so you're like, oh, I got it. I got to stop and get a piece of key lime pie, and you're like. Do you want some? This is my moment to officially declare if I wanted some or not. And I was like, nah, I don't think so. I, I'm, I can't remember if I said maybe I'll have a bite or if I didn't I think say you said maybe I'll have a bite. I might. I probably said maybe I'll have a bite. Mm-hmm. Well, this And I lime, said, you should really know because I really love the key lime pie. And I'm not going to want to share my pie. Yeah, so let's get two right, slices. Right. And I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to want a whole slice. <laughs> we start eating this key lime pie. And it is outstanding. It's like um, the best key lime pie ever. And of course, I'm eating more than one bite. It was a bad scene. You're like, what? I said you could get your own piece. That So that's yeah. the original story of this. So the ghost. See, I'm then standing up for my needs. Let's call it that or whatever. And you're standing up for yours. This is what I want or whatever. Standing. Yeah. I don't know if that's the best way. We're declaring that the ghost in the background says... Share it. Your own needs are less important. Sharing is more important. Be more generous. Be more sacrificial. They want it. It's okay. Make everybody happy. I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Share the things. Don't hold on to things. Don't be selfish. I don't know what the ghost right. says. Things like that. And it's not mm-hmm. that big of a deal, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she had a few more bites or so, she, mm-hmm. you know, of the key lime pie or mm-hmm. the kitchery or the whatever. Mm-hmm. So it, it could apply to anything. It could be like... Say you're telling me something and it's like, well, this is an important thing he's telling me. I should listen longer, right? Uh I should put myself away a little longer. This is important. Or, you know, it's not that big a deal what I was thinking of going to do. I was just going to go work in the garden for a little bit. You know, that that can wait, right? So there's like a negotiation that happens. Yeah. It minimizes. I think that is a kind of a shame. It minimizes or says, you don't count that much. Mm-hmm. Right? You don't matter that much. Maybe mm-hmm. that's a that's a profound ghost mm-hmm. that 
in the background. We're calling ghosts this internalized belief system. You don't really matter that much. That's profound what you're saying. Because if you grew up and weren't in your deeper needs, feelings, hurts, weren't cared for, mm-hmm. or particularly if you're getting abused and no one says, oh my gosh, what's happening? Everything stops until mm-hmm. Lisa is cared for and this violence stops. Mm-hmm. I don't move until then. Mm-hmm. If nobody does something like that, which communicates you matter, right? Stop everything. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. My daughter, my son is getting hurt. This child is getting hurt. The world doesn't go on until that stops. Mm-hmm. Then you kind of go, oh shit, I matter. Mm-hmm. Or if you show your artwork and somebody says, stop everything. We have to look at that. Mm-hmm. Not all the time, but some of the times. Mm-hmm. Then you matter. Mm-hmm. But if that doesn't happen, mm-hmm. you get kind of erased. Then that ghost says, you don't really matter very much. Your life, your life path Mm-hmm. Never mind your needs and things like that. Mm-hmm. Don't matter that much. Right, right. And mm-hmm. that can happen. Thanks for explaining mm-hmm. that so well. That can happen on a momentary level. Mm-hmm. Right now I'm writing about micro, meso, and macro levels of analysis. So on a micro level, in a moment, I'm using the example of, say, you're telling me something and I'm in the listener role mm-hmm. and I have an impulse. I want to go do this thing. I want to go work in the garden. I want to go work on a paper. I want to send an email, whatever it is. So momentarily, I then could dismiss that those things that I'm thinking of doing, those impulses I'm wanting to follow, that they matter. So I think, well, that's not so Mm -hmm. important. This is what I should be doing. I should be here Mm -hmm. listening to what you're saying. But it also then can affect the macro level, Mm -hmm. meaning the entire life's path, which you're referring to, which is not only just a series of small moments, but an entire life could be Mm -hmm. um, ignored, an entire life direction could be ignored or sacrificed for the sake of being in a role to, say, serve someone else. And 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 that truly can be done by anyone, male, female, non-binary, whoever, they can sacrifice themselves for the service of the other partner, let's say, because you do that, I do that, we Mm -hmm. might do it in slightly different ways. But the ghost that says, put your impulses away and put your needs away can happen Mm -hmm. in the small moments and the big moments. Yeah, that's profound. I recently been thinking about the word desire um i've reading some poems that have focus on this idea of desire versus needs i don't know it doesn't have this is not like a technical definition mm-hmm. but but the idea is that your needs are like more momentary mm. i need some rest i need some warmth i need mm-hmm. some love i need some quiet time i need to be outside and walking and then the desires are like this is what I really desire, mm. the thing that moves my life. Mm. And again, I think if, if people aren't witnessed early, what do you deeply desire? What kind of person are you? Maybe they get their needs taken care of, but these the bigger desires, what's my whole life about? What moves me the most? Mm-hmm. Is it poetry? Is it quiet? Is it raising a child? Those are still things. Is it my care for the world? Is it healing? Something that your system is moved by? If you don't have that, if you're put into, what do you want to do? This is a good thing. This is not a good thing. By a family or a culture, that desire system is not online. Mm -hmm. And then 
there's a background, that ghost that steals my connection with desire. I don't even know I have desires. I don't even know I have erased them. Mm-hmm. But my system is in a kind of chronic background depression or resentment or jealousy. Mm-hmm. Depression because something in me is not living. Resentment because if you're doing something, I'm like, how did you get to do that? Mm-hmm. Or jealousy like I, re- I, I am like unhappy watching you or somebody else doing something radical, leaving their job and deciding they're going to go to Europe for a year and spend their bank account savings. Shit, I can't do that. And I have a bunch of savings, right? Right. How come they get to do that? Right. So it shows up only in those ways. And Mm. then obviously in relationship, Mm. those things get, uh, Mm. get put in there. So you're saying that if we're not in touch with our deeper desires, I would, I would also add the term longings here. If we're not in touch with those to begin with, then we enter relationship and we follow, oh, it reminds me of the William Stafford poem, we follow a star that's not meant for us or something yeah. that's not exactly the right yeah. metaphor, but we, we follow no, something right. that is not really us to follow. We kind of get into a default groove mm-hmm. and follow a prescription or like we said, a mm-hmm. role or something that dictates Mm-hmm. how to be in that relationship, how to proceed, what to do, what not to do, rather than mm-hmm. following our unique desires, longings in life and letting those dictate. And mm-hmm. then finding ourselves, as you said so well, resentful towards our partner, blaming our partner, jealous of our partner or anyone else in or life. Just right? Or just depressed. And you're kind of like, or just hey, depressed. why do I have a depressed partner? And you could then have a conflict with me. Maybe I need that to be woken up about that. Right. But if you think it's a relationship resolution, mm-hmm. <laughs> what's going on? Let's get it together. Let's figure out what's happening together. We have to get to work on this relationship. Yeah. And the best thing that could come out of that relationship, heat, if there is some, if you're upset with my depression, yeah. is waking up for me to kind of go oh shit mm-hmm. there are things i really have to pay attention to myself that i haven't mm-hmm. it's not about you mm-hmm. oh it's not about you mm-hmm. that's the disentanglement that yeah. i'm wanting to make as the central point at least for me yes like how do you not make what isn't the relationship conflict into a relationship conflict because there's a ghost that's unseen that's the problem with the ghost right yes. it's invisible so yeah. it kind of goes tinker 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 yeah. why don't you guys have it out with each other and blame each other and project on each other and think you have to go to relationship counseling when really you need some individual support to be free right oh mic hey. drop right that was, the <laughs> that was, that a was good the one statement. that was a good one yeah yeah right not projecting mm-hmm. so one of the points you're making is disentangling from your partner in, or the other person in this way in the sense of not just projecting onto them that they're the one who has prevented you mm-hmm. from following your desires in life mm-hmm. following your path correct mm-hmm, yeah. that's one of the points we're making so that there isn't just this ping pong back and forth of holding the other person responsible and thinking your relationship is at fault either your partner's at fault or your relationship is faulty yeah. and therefore you have to end it because this is the thing that's stopping you both mm-hmm. and then the other point that i'm wanting to make which i sort of started to before just yeah. something like that again, we can see this at a at a bigger level in a relationship, where so I think is more where you're focusing on the sense of long term resentment, jealousy, depression that can happen that gets then blamed on the partner or the relationship, and I feel like that shows up in very moment to moment 
examples mm-hmm. that collectively build up to then have that experience overall. Mm-hmm. One of the main ghost figures for me um, that shows up in in our relationship around this kind of thing is what I call the stopper. It's like I'm being stopped from doing the thing I want to do. I have an impulse and something says, you can't go do that right now. This isn't a good time. That's not important. And I might project that onto you in a moment if you start chatting with me and I'm on my way to go do something. Mm -hmm. Or I'm stopping you. Yeah, that I think you're stopping me, Mm -hmm. right? And then I'm in a wrestle internally with that figure that I might see as you in that moment. Like, um, hey, I'm trying to go do this thing and you're stopping me from doing this thing. And then you feel that. You feel my mood around that. You feel me reject you or as you uh, sometimes say, I stop myself from interrupting you, Lisa. I stop myself from going and saying hello because I see you're in the middle of something and I don't want to interrupt that. Because I have, at times, a pretty heavy atmosphere around me. I'm regularly, internally, in a relationship with a figure that doesn't allow me to do what I want to do when I want to do it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm constantly feeling cramped. There's always these cramps of mm-hmm. uh, me not being able to follow a certain rhythm. And so then if you enter that space, I'm already in that, that mentality, I'm already in that wrestle, I'm in that fight, I'm in that frustration. And then you, David, enter the scene and want to say, hey, can I show you this one thing for two minutes? Or, hey, Mm -hmm. you want to have some food with me? And I'm in a mood because now yet there's another thing derailing my agenda, my Mm -hmm. forward motion. Mm -hmm. So I'm saying that happens in any given moment and it's reflective of a larger process in my life that I identify as having a kind of internalized sexist component to it of I can't really follow in my life the trajectory I want to follow because of my status as a woman, my lane as a woman. Mm -hmm. I can't go for certain things. I am going for certain things, but there's an internalized process Mm -hmm. that says you're not supposed to do that. It's really important. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. If you are not aware of, on a regular, consistent basis, the forces of sexism that live in you that stop you, derail your impulses from becoming manifested into your motion. If you're not aware of that, then in our relationship, you're going to find the stopper. Mm-hmm. And it's very satisfying for the psyche to find it, to say, aha, I didn't even know what was happening. But now that I see you stopping me, this is a great moment for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm laughing at it because it's not such a great moment. But the psyche is like, this is a great moment. I found something trying to stop me. This is good. I can push through. Yeah. Right? If we were in therapy, we'd say we'd create a stopper. I'd create a stopper. I'd say, stand up, maybe, whatever. You would stand up. Yeah. And I'd put my hands against yours or my shoulders against your shoulders. And I'd say, I'm not going to let you do anything. And then you would push against me and I'd say, no, you must do what I say. Your impulses don't matter. Don't follow your own life. Mm-hmm. You're a woman. Right. right. And then 
you would find an energy in you. You probably could go, whoa, I don't know, this is difficult. But you might eventually find the energy that really wants to push. Mm-hmm. And your system would be enlivened by meeting me in the stopper role. Yes. You go, whoa, this feels really good. And you'd be going, and you'd be pushing against me. And you would look alive and your eyes would be bright and your energy would come out. Yes. That happens in relationship only unconsciously. Right. I kind of go, I want to do something with you. And, and all of a sudden, aha, we're in that therapeutic moment. Only right. There's no awareness that we're doing <laughs> therapy. Right. Right? We're just in there. And it's like, oh, good. Oh, I yeah. feel great telling you to fuck yeah. off. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the one stopping me. <laughs> this feels so good. Yeah. You know? It's yeah. like it's a great like, therapeutic moment, except right. there's no consciousness awareness to make it therapeutic. Right, yeah. right. Exactly. <laughs> yes. And it, and, it, and it doesn't just have to be outer things. Like I'm feeling stopped for pursuing a degree or something like that. Right. You know, it can be a feeling of of being stopped from expressing yourself the way you'd want to express yeah. yourself. Like it doesn't have to be a practical, literal direction in life or thing you it want to do. It could be going to pee. It could be going to pee. <laughs> right? Yeah. It could it, be like, I have to pee, but I think I'll stand here and, right. uh, and act like I don't have to pee. Right. <laughs> it could be taking time for oneself to go rest or be in nature or have spaciousness. It could be a way of, I want to express myself this way, but I'm being stopped from doing Mm -hmm. that. And so, you know, so it it can be on all those different levels that you could feel stopped. Mm -hmm. Just trying to relate that to more people who may be listening who have different forms of stoppers inside. Yeah. I love that term ghosts. I know. Arnie Mandel came up with that. I'm not sure if other people have had that before. Oh, right. But if listeners want to get more on this topic, they can go to season one episodes two and three they're called ghosts and ancestors parts one and two yeah and they can hear more about this about parental figures yeah. more in those arnie mandel came up with the idea of ghosts i think he was mostly talking about social issues and ghosts of racism and things like that they're things that are in the atmosphere that aren't mentioned that aren't dealt with they aren't seen but they aren't affecting people so i don't know that's what's on mm-hmm. my mind at the moment mm-hmm. bringing in that idea starting to notice what's not being noticed. Mm-hmm. Not what's not being said, but what's not being noticed. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a mystery in a way. I like that part of the word ghost. It's an unknown. Mm-hmm. It's like you have to close your eyes to see it mm-hmm. and or feel it or intuit it mm-hmm. or read enough or work on yourself enough to know the things that affect you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm thinking of the, some of the words we used, like if there's a sense of, I, I think especially resentment. I think resentment is a really good indicator that this, this could be happening. This phenomenon we're talking about could be happening, yeah. where if you're having resentment towards your partner, check and see if, if there's a ghost figure around for you internally that is creating that resentment or Mm -hmm. co-creating that resentment. Maybe Mm -hmm. it is in part about your partner, but think about what am I resenting about my partner? Is it that they're stopping me? Is it that I feel like I have to do these things I can't care for my own needs? You know, what what is it that makes me resentful or that they're they're Mm -hmm. free to do things I'm not free to do? I feel like that's a good litmus test for is this maybe happening? And then you you can explore more internally. How is is this also showing up in other parts of my life, not just with my partner? Because that will also be an indicator that there's a ghost around that's affecting you in this way in multiple parts of your life. Mm-hmm. And you're just kind of focusing on it in your partnership. Mm, that's great. 
Yeah. Great suggestion. <laughs> Thank you. It is a great suggestion. <laughs> All right. We're in season two. Welcome, great everybody. Great to have you back. And thanks for listening. Okay. See you next time. Bye. If you like this episode or learned something new, we would love if you would spread the love on social media and tell a friend about our podcast. As you know, word of mouth is everything. And if you really want to put a smile on our faces, subscribe to our podcast so you can be sure to receive all our future episodes. And while you're at it, write us a review on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. To learn more, visit intodeep.com. That's I-N-T-W-O-D-E-E-P.com. Music is In Orange Groove by Raphael Pistachio. In Too Deep is a Belly Song Press production.